پردور پادکست Welcome to the brand new Pelador GA Football Podcast. It's myself, Mick. I'm back again. I'm joined going forward at Ross Trainer. Ross, how are you doing, fella? I am very good, Mick. How was yourself? Did you enjoy the couple of weeks off? I did. I did. But I was hungry to get back into action now, you know, after that uh, 10-week, 12-week stint of uh, interviews. But yeah, so just saying, no, we're back now with a slightly different look, as you'll see, with a different name. And we'll be dis- also discussing uh, the club scene all around Ireland and we'll be bringing you some of the biggest high-profile inter-county football interviews going forward like we were before. And Ross, you have something to say about a competition as well? Yeah, with the big launch for Pelador Podcast now, we are going to be doing a giveaway. So stay tuned to the end of the show and we'll give you details at the end of how you can win our lovely prize. Yeah, that's it. So we'll be discussing that just after the next few interviews we have. So we have uh, we're talking the club scene today. We have Joe McNally off from Kildare. We have John on from the Load of Balls uh, Down GEA Football Podcast. We have John from the Mayo GEA Blog on. And we also have Mark Woods from the Echo in Cork. So we look forward, I hope you enjoyed those, and we look forward to speaking just after this. Okay, this time it's the turn of the Kildare Championship, which is finally back after the county lockdown. Uh, to discuss it with us is Jerry McNally, formerly of the Kildare Nationalist and current radio commentator with Kildare FM. Uh, Jerry, thanks for coming on. No problem. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so, um, obviously, the lockdown's over now, so Kildare are getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, kind of, uh, it's been a really strange period for, for the teams, uh, the players, the management, and even the supporters as well, who unfortunately can't get to the games at the moment. But so it was great uncertainty. Um, like in Kildare, like the rest of the, the country, really going back to the start of August, and everyone was so happy to be starting the championship. And, and then, to all of a sudden, just when things were, you know, everyone kind of gearing up, they, they played a couple of league games uh, through from the middle of July and, and then had the first round of the championship on, on the uh, bank holiday weekend in August. And yes, yeah, was everybody was looking forward to a good run of games. Then, unfortunately, the, the lockdown struck, and um, there was a huge amount of uncertainty then. And I suppose they were operating within a fairly tight calendar as it was. So, um, yeah, there was kind of no one really knew when games are going to take place again, or, or what sort of format the championship may take. You know, the was one stage questions: Will they change the format uh, of the championship to try and fit things in? But I, I think the county board were always fairly insistent that they didn't want to change the structure once things had got underway. So uh, it looks like at the moment they're going to finish out the group stages and then either play the quarterfinals and come back after the inter-county season to play a, a semi-final or final of the championship, or else even maybe um, come back for the quarterfinals after the inter-county season. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're going to stick to what they were doing. Sorry, say that again. They're, they're going to they're going to stick to the structures they had. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to finish out the group stages and then go into the knockouts. So it's a it's a pretty good structure of the championship, I think, and it might even be better than what's been had in the last few years because the, the games have uh, real meaning to them. Um, in previous groups, um, it's just that the, the top team through after the group stages and the second and third played in a kind of quarterfinal playoff that meant there was uh, not huge significance to the last round of games. But now after the weekend's second round of games, looking ahead to next week now, there's some really big and important games. So it should be a, a really kind of exciting weekend next week. And just the big pity is that they're going to be in front of empty stands because um, even this weekend, there was a couple of games now that, that you would have imagined would have had the crowd really urging the, the, the players on. Um, I spoke to a few of the, the winning managers after uh, afterwards and pretty much every one of them kind of spoke uh, how weird and eerie it was to be playing in front of 
empty stands and um, yeah, it's just a pity. I suppose we, we all know the reasonings why, and you can argue the the whys and why it shouldn't be. But um, it's just a pity at the moment, and uh, fingers crossed that people can get into the games as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose looking back at the weekend games, Jer, which were the ones that impressed you the most? What clubs impressed you the most? Well, there's a kind of in, in the Calera Champions years, there's been a top four clubs, and um, three of those were in action over the weekend. Uh, the Newbridge duo, who within that top four are probably ahead, they've shared the county title there between them since uh, 2012. The trophy hasn't left Newbridge. Um, and both of those sides actually conceded goals in the first half. Moorfields were, were probably the ones who were put under the most amount of pressure and um, against the uh, Minute side, who I, I were really impressed with. They moved were, were terrible, I thought, in their first round against Raheens, but they were hugely improved there at the weekend. And they got a goal in the first half through Chris Canning and led by a point at the halftime break. Um, but in the second half, then it was that third quarter that kind of really was the difference in the game. They, they outscored Minute by six points to one at that stage, and, and Moorfield showed the quality that they have within their side in that third quarter. And, but then after the water break, Manute kind of, they kept at it. You know, they were only two points down going into to injury time and they were right in the game. But Moorfield got a goal then where pretty much the, almost the last attack of the game was in the eighth or ninth minute of injury time to seal a five-point win. So not the most impressive performance for Moorfield, but just another win under their belts. And, and it shows that even when they're, they're slightly off form, they're still fairly hard to beat. Um, Sarsfield is then the county champions. They're under new management this year as well. Billy O'Loughlin from Leash. Um, and they've been really in superb form going back to the league games in, in July, the opening round against Johnstown Bridge. They were a little bit shocked by Eastdown uh, over the weekend. They conceded a goal after just 10 minutes. Uh, sorry, after just three minutes. And after about 10 or 11 minutes, they were still a goal behind, one three to three points. But then they scored in the last 20 minutes of the first half. They scored one seven without the fly. And once they were up and running, they were really were a ferocious sight. You know, they're in, uh, poor Eastdown kind of uh, just weren't able to deal with them. Eastdown. You know, they, they got that early goal. They got a bit of a wind beneath their sails. But once Sarsfields got motoring, they were just unstoppable. And then they went in with a sizable half-time lead. And then uh, got a goal in the 40th minute. Keen Bourne got a cracking effort. And they put the seal on the wind then with two goals in injury time. So all, all, all together at the moment, I think Sarsfields are, are probably looking back over the disjointed season. And, and it is a disjointed season. It won't have much of an impact come the knockout stages. But Sarsfields, I think, have been the most impressive side in Kildare so far this year. And uh, then the other one of the, that big four sides that were in action this weekend were Selbridge, who, again, they're also under the management of a new uh, manager this year, Dave Clare, who's come in from uh, Dunboyne, I think, in Mead. And um, Selbridge are very strong this year. They just they, they have a really strong squad. Um, like They had Paddy Brophy and Hugh McGrillan. Paddy Brophy, a current Kildare player, and Hugh McGrillan, who would have been one of the stalwarts of the Kieran McGinney era, but still a very good club player. But both of those are missing through injury. But they, you know, they weren't even missed, such as the strength of the Selbridge squad. Um, Fergal Conway, again, one of their stars, he went off injured at half time, but they brought on a, a young guy, Aaron Brown, who some people will know from Kildare's run to the Leinster Minor Championship. Um, last year, he was the outstanding player in the Leinster Championship at minor grade, and he scored his first senior championship goal with the last kick of the game. And he's someone that, again, that kind of adds to that strength and depth that they have. And, uh, you know, Towers were, were put it up to them. Towers were, were probably had the, the most impressive win in the first round then when they defeated Nace. They were only a point behind Selbridge at half time. And uh, Selbridge pulled away a little bit then into the second half. But uh, Towers got a goal then in the 57th minute. I think it cut it back to three points and they were right in it there again. But Selbridge kicked on, got a couple of late points and then that Aaron Brown goal sealed the victory. So it's definitely the, the three... 
big sides were out over the weekend. The tight play tomorrow night now against Clane, and, and that should be a really interesting game. But it's the, the big sides are going well, and they really are kind of laying down the gauntlet for the rest of the championship. And, and uh, uh, you know, they're, they're they're the ones to catch for the rest of the teams that are in the Collect Championship. Yeah, some excellent points there, and you, you kind of touched on a lot of the clubs I was going to ask you about. Uh, it's interesting about Sarsfield to say there. Um, obviously, Ben McCormack, who was supposed to be gone for the year because their club is back, that must be a massive boost for them as well. Oh, huge. Actually, we were only saying it yesterday, some of the guys up in the press box who were at the game, that it was probably one of Ben's quietest games. Um, okay. He was absolutely superb going back to the league game. I saw him down on a tie. Uh, against Nace as well, and then against Johnstone Bridge in the championship, but he, he didn't. He barely touched the ball uh, over the weekend in, in the first half. He got a point in the second half, but overall it was one of his quietest games. But again, it shows the quality of the Sarsfields have. That Alan Smith was, was brilliant when he scored two goals and four points, and and they utilised the mark really well. Smith is a kind of a, a really clever player, and uh, it's good movement. Won a few marks. He, I think he scored three marks uh, as well as two goals. But I mean, you're right, Jed. Ben left the country along with Matt Bourne as well, who was probably one of the outstanding midfielders. I think he got the, the player of the, the Calera Senior Championship last year, actually, Matt Bourne, probably due to his performances in the two county finals and the semi-final as well, uh, when he marked Fergal Conway. But uh, those two players left the, the country before the Leicester Championship last year, and that probably had a big bearing on Sarsfield's defeat uh, against their Oak. Um, but then they've come back into the side this year now that they came back to uh, this summer. And yeah, they're just a, a huge boost to, to, to an already very strong squad. So it'll definitely give them an extra, an extra edge going into the, the later stages of the Championship. Yeah, you touched on Manute earlier on there. Um, it's a really a surprising loss, in my opinion, to Raheem's in the first round, I think it was. Um, I mean, you think they marked on and Neil Flynn, big town. They probably should be doing better than what they do. And I think they topped their, their group in the championship last year. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say that I was surprised at the result, but I was definitely surprised at kind of the Minute's lacklustre performance and, and the size of the, the gap between the two sides. I think the Hines are kind of a, a young, up-and-coming team. Uh, you might probably talk about them later because they were very unlucky over the weekend. But yeah, Minute's they actually played Mark Dunn it was because their goalkeeper he's playing out the field at the moment. And it was uh, something that manager Carl Ennis, who was a former Kildare player himself, and it was something they sprung last year. We're, we're kind of used now to seeing Mark Dunn play out the field. He's playing in midfield this year. He was in the forward line last year, but playing in midfield and uh, for a big man, he, he can cover ground well and he kicked some lovely scores, it has to be said. He kicked one outstanding effort from outside the 45. Uh, but they're actually missing Neil Flynn as well. He oh, missed the opening wow. rounds through injury and he was amongst the subs, uh, but didn't come into the game now. So, you know, he, he could have made the difference in a tight game. As I said, it was only two points going uh, between the sides going into it injury time against Morfield so having him on the field maybe could have made a difference but um, you know, they've got a bit of a battle now to avoid the drop because elsewhere in that group um, it was a big game actually Raheem's against Carberry that was probably the, the match of the weekend the most entertaining match in the senior championship Raheem's lost by a point in the end Morgan O'Flaherty kicked the winning score for Carberry in the, the sixth minute of injury time he's not the the noted scorer in the O'Flaherty family it's normally on uh, who gets the big scores for, for club and county uh, but it was Morgan who was forward in the 66th minute and, and kicked the great score, a wonderful score to win the game. And it was a big, big score because even a draw would have put Raheem's in a very strong position going into the final round. Uh, but the, the win now puts Carberry kind of the, as the favourites to join Moorfields in qualifying out the groups. And, and really unlucky for Raheem's because they were the, the better side for a large period, certainly in the first half. Um, Aaron O'Neill, again, another Kildare reserve goalkeeper playing out the field. He got a goal with the last kick of the half for Carberry. And that actually tied the game up. And that was uh, very undeserving for the Haynes because they were the much better side in the opening half. But at the same time, they didn't take their chances when they were presented with them. 
and then uh, Carberry did improve in the second half, and, and in the end, it was, a, it was a good win and a big, big win for Carberry in that group. You just mentioned Raheem's there, and t- tell us about that Raheem's team. I mean, uh, there's a great setup down there. They, they seem to be coming through the ranks with a lot of young lads. Uh, would they be a team you'll be talking about going forward? Yeah, well, <clears throat> that opening round they had uh, that opening round game against Manute, They had Paddy Woodgate and Mikey McGovern, and uh, Woodgate missed out yesterday, and, and he was a loss. And as well as that, then Rory Donnelly, who would be at the other age spectrum than those two lads, he, he's uh, an experienced player. Was a former intercounty player with Clare, but uh, living up in Kildare now, and has thrown his lot in with Raheem's over the last couple of years, and he picked up a, a, a nasty looking kind of. Um, with dislocated shoulder or elbow or something like that very early on in the game after only three or four minutes so definitely weakened their kind of forward options and um, Mikey McGovern though as I said Raheem's were on top for, for the most of the first half and a lot of that was due to, to Mikey McGovern who was um, a young lad who played for Nace CBS in Crow Park last year in the Hogan Cup final and also played uh, in their team again this year that uh, were beaten in the Leicester Schools final by uh, Rockford Bridge in, a, in an excellent game early on but in fairness Carvey actually got to the grips with him a little bit and kind of null his effect as the game went on but yeah Raheem's are, are, are a good coming side and they leave power in the centre of the midfield as well who's a, a fellow who's come into the Caldera senior setup this year and you can see the difference um, that that has made to him over the last uh, kind of six, eight, ten months he's, he's a big tall man anyway but he's really filled out and you can see the kind of the the, the effect that kind of training at that level has had on his physique, but also I think on his confidence and his, his mentality now as well. He, he sees himself as a, a real leader on that Raheem side and he scored some lovely scores yesterday and he's a big presence around that centre of the field. And as I said, yeah, they were just pipped to post by Carberry and, and it makes it difficult now for them going into the last round of games. Sure, yeah. And I mean, this was going for, forward there. Um, we'll always talk about Morfield, Sarsfield as a team to beat. Um, I'd be impressed with Selbridge maybe going forward. Could they be a team that could... And mix it with them. Yeah, as I said, like the the Kildare Championship over the last since 2012, you know the trophy hasn't left uh, Newbridge for for a long part of kind of the early the first decade of this century. The, the title around Kildare was shared the room through a you know a huge number of clubs, like of Johnny Doyle's Alan Woods, uh, St Lawrence's, Selbridge themselves. They won their first title in 2008, so there was a good kind of rotation and a lot of different winners. Uh, but since 2012, it's only been those Newbridge teams. Um, and I say, if that stranglehold is going to be broken, that Selbridge looked the most likely to do so, um, albeit a tie as well, will be there or thereabouts. But I think Selbridge looked particularly strong this year. They seem to have a manager now who really is committed to attacking football, and they have some fine, fine attackers. Um, as I said, you know, people will know that the names of some of their, their best players. Um, Mick O'Grady is the Kildare fullback, or has been the Kildare fullback for the last few years. He's playing in midfield. Um, Kevin Flynn, again, is a, is a Kildare inter-county player too. And he's, he's playing centre-back this year as well, which is a little bit strange because he's been a, a flying wing-back uh, for most of his career. Um, but that young lad as well, Aaron Brown, as well, is a, is a big, big talent and one to watch out for. And um, I suppose for Selbridge and Atai as well, the, the big thing, it's just when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to the latter stages, um, as well as they've played in the group games, as, as big as a margin as they can beat some of the other teams in the Kildare Championship, the big thing for uh, Ty and Selbridge is just when it comes to the crunch, to, to have that mentality to, to defeat Sarsfields and Moorfield, because um, as well as the talent that, that Sarsfields and Moorfield have, they just have that mental edge over the rest of the teams in Kildare, because uh, they know how to win games, they know how to win ugly, if they're not playing well, uh, they can still grind things out, like uh, Moorfield beat Selbridge in the county final there a couple of years ago, when Moorfield had two men sent off in the first 20 minutes, and had to play two thirds of the game with only 13 men, and still beat Selbridge, so they have that kind of uh, 
edge over those teams and until Selbridge and the tie get the monkey off their back by winning a big game against those Newbridge teams they'll always have that mental block I think but uh, yes yeah, definitely that they're, they're going well this year it'll be interesting to see the latter stages I know it's only early doors but maybe with the league as well might there be anyone who has impressed Jack O'Connor who isn't in the current setup? Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one to, to answer um, because a lot of the players would have been through either underage, like a lot of the players would have been looked at, I suppose, at different stages. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one to kind of answer now because uh, there's a lot of kind of younger players on Starfields that have had, had been in and around things that maybe haven't really established themselves on the county panel. Somebody like Connor Hartley now, who has been on the panel, has played games, but he seems to have stepped up his game this year. He'd be definitely one that I'd be, be thinking of. And somebody who was impressed with over the weekends and has been on good underage teams for Kildare is Jamie Flynn, who's a, a midfielder for Round Towers. Um, he previously was a, a wing-back or centre-back at a, a Leinster winning side. I'm not quite sure which year he won a, his Leinster minor title with Kildare, but he's a big, big, strong man and he, he's turned into a good physical presence in there in, in that um, in the midfield for Round Towers and, and you know very well coached by Glenn Ryan. Round Towers are, are a side who are a team in the image of, of their manager because um, they're just so dogged and so determined. Um, and then elsewhere, I suppose, looking at Johnstone Bridge, everybody I'm sure knows about Daniel Flynn and, and Daniel, uh, he probably needs a, his own section of this because he was absolutely brilliant at the weekend. But his, uh, his brother Luke has is, is, is been a very solid player for Johnstone Bridge as well. Um, he was called into the Kildare squad this year, has played previously. He scored a goal against Dublin in the league a couple of years ago in Crow Park. But uh, he, he was on, I think, army duty this year. So he, he was unavailable for the league games that were played earlier in the season. But he is somebody maybe to watch out for if, if he, he gets back into the Kildare squad because he's a, a very, very similar to Daniel uh, in terms of appearance. If you were sitting in the back of the stand, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart because uh, he's as big as Daniel, as fast and as strong as Daniel. Um, maybe doesn't have that kind of uh, electric kind of direct running pace that Daniel does and Luke is more kind of defensive minded and he, he plays actually more often than not in, in defence for his club or else as a defensive midfielder but he's a big athletic man and, and he's another one to look out for. And you, you actually just say Johnstown Bridge there obviously another club with a lot of county players with the Cribbins, the Flins and um, there's some others as well. Um, how are they getting on? I know they lost to the Sarsfield's first round quite uh, there was a 217 to 110 but they, they're still with a chance to get through the last round? Yeah, they had a big win there yesterday yeah, yesterday in St. Lawrence's. Um, sorry, it was Saturday. Um, yeah, they, they, they look stronger now. They had Daniel back. He, he missed the first round because of a hamstring injury. And also Sean Hurley, um, who was, again, a big, big player for them over the last couple of years. But uh, of all the games I saw over the weekends, <laughs> Daniel was just incredible. He's, a, he's such a fun player to watch. You, you never know, quite know what he's going to do. Um, like he created three goals with three passes for assists for goals, hit the crossbar, probably should have had a penalty and had a couple of bad wides. And that was just the first half. <laughs> he was on then. He got a goal in the second half that his performance was there. But every time he got on the ball, he was looking like something was going to happen. Um, as well as looking at the, the negative side of things, there was a couple of shots, shot selection, shot execution that, that weren't great. And he probably knows that himself. But I mean, you just you can't dwell on the negatives with him. He's just a, a completely unique player. Like even definitely within Kildare, and I would say maybe even in the country, there's very, very few players that can combine his kind of height, his power, his his pace, his actually the electrifying pace. And just once he gets going, running, he, he doesn't know himself. I think where he's going to end up. But he just goes off on these wandering runs, and uh, 
yeah, they, they do sometimes end up in spectacular goals, but uh, he's definitely just such a fun player to watch. And, and yeah, like Johnson Bridge with him back in the side and Sean Hurley back in the side, they, they look a very strong team. And the two cribbins you mentioned, Paul and Keats, you know, huge experience there. Cotton McNally as well. And uh, Luke Dempsey is the manager there in charge in this season as well. So he, he has a huge amount of experience. And um, it's actually his local club going back into the 80s. He, he played for, for Johnstown Bridge. So uh, he, he's kind of come home there to, to manage his team now. And again, a little bit like Selbridge and Atai, until they just get over that edge of beating one of those big teams in one of the big games that they'll always have kind of question marks about their mentality and about their performance levels just on on the biggest day but uh, they're definitely a side that you, you wouldn't want to underestimate now going into I'm not going to say just yeah I just this listen to you talk about Daniel Flynn's exciting but I suppose you're talking about the injuries there a few the county lads of injuries Brophy Neil Flynn uh, Daniel Flynn there as well but we'll be worried for Jack O'Connor going forward now there seems to be a few lads um, pulling up with a few Injuries, hamstrings, and the likes. Yeah, yeah, and, and Kevin Feely was struggling earlier in the year. He missed the first round. As I said, a tight play tomorrow night, so we'll see if he uh, plays. Fergal Conway picked up what looked to be a, a pretty uh, nasty kind of injury, uh, an, an, an ankle injury, and maybe a twisted ankle or something like that. Hopefully, it'll be uh, nothing more than a couple of weeks. If 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 that, yeah, I suppose it's definitely worrying because you know Kildare as much as the championship is always the, the big thing uh, really Kildare's most important games before the end of the season are going to be their two remaining league games um, the, because as it stands Kildare are in the relegation zone in Division 2 so they have two against Westmead and Cavan and you know there, there won't be any time for kind of settling into things or betting in they'll have to hit the ground running because they'll definitely have to win at least one of those games and possibly even two of those games to avoid uh, relegation and then kind of anything in the championship then would be a bonus that the draw as being kind but in, in terms of Dublin being on the other side but Kildare have said that so many times down through the years and then got caught on the hop elsewhere in the championship so you wouldn't be looking too far ahead at, at all there but those league games are going to be crucial and as you said uh, some of those guys are, are Kildare's biggest and, and most important players and absolutely key players in the squad so Definitely a lot for Jack O'Connor to, to ponder and look on, but uh, the one plus point was definitely that Daniel Daniel Flynn looked absolutely sharp as a pin there in his game mm-hmm. against St. Lawrence's. Well, finger, fingers crossed to clear up soon, Jer. And uh, thanks for the great summary there of the challenge. We might check in with you later on. No problem, lads. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Thanks very much. So one of the more entertaining championships has been the Down Football Championship, which of course includes the All-Ireland runners-up, Kilku. Joining us to discuss how it's gone so far is John Fagan from the very successful Load of Balls podcast, which focuses on all things down GEA and is certainly well worth a listen. John, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hi, thanks, Michael. No, not a problem. Good to be uh, asked to be on the, the other end of an of, uh, interview. It's, it's, it's exciting now, so thank you. Yeah, you're answering the questions today. Yes, so the bit of pressure on me now to get all my <laughs> facts and figures right. So I suppose, John, a uh, brief synopsis of the championship so far. I know the quarterfinals were on at the weekend. Actually, with some great games as well. What, what's your taking it? This year has just been phenomenal, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's just we're allowed 300 or 400 people in the ground, depending on the size, but it's being streamed um, by Park TV, a, a court company. And to tell you the truth, it's worth the treat. Like, you know, we're getting extra time. We've actually had penalties for the first time in, in down football. So, you know, and there's been a couple of upsets, a couple of the bigger teams have. have Suffered, you know, defeats, and it's just been it's, it's just been brilliant. To tell you the truth. Yeah, you're men- you mentioned penalties that came in there. Um, Clondalk Warren Point at the weekend. Warren Point to find this year, aren't they? 
one point would be, you know, they're sort of coming on age. They were in the final last year and they seem to have just added a couple of more players. Alan Davison came back. Um, he retired last year because of an injury, but um, he's, he's a big player for them now. And, and he's just added a wee bit of firepower, helps Ross McGarry and, and Donick McAleenan in there. So they're an up-and-coming team and they'll be looking. There was only a point in it last year, so um, Koku, you know, would be wary of more points, surely, now. Mm. Tell, tell, I suppose, tell us about that game then, the Clondo uh, Farm Point game. Uh, it was three eleven to twenty points after extra time and went to penalties. Yeah, so Clondoff are like they're backed by um the cars. So you've got Ross, Aidan, Charlie, and then you know Hagen's like a lot of down senior quality there. Like and you know, they were seen as a, an outsider for for the championship, but like they got their tactics spot on against one point. Um they played Aidan as a sweeper, whereas he'd been playing number eleven the whole way through. And um, one point were just slow out of the gates, they just couldn't uh, they seemed to sit back a wee bit and, and find it difficult to break Clondoff down. And you know, the old saying is goals winning games, and the very nearly came true there. You know, a couple of sloppy goals from, from one point side, but you know, I just thought Clondoff really put it up them. One point just kept on tagging on. It's not very, very rare you see a team that can see three goals and still go on to win the match. You know, they just kept on, didn't. Deviate just kept on chipping away at, at, at Condoff's lead, like you know. Mm. And they, they they obviously beat Kilku earlier on in the championship, so they'd be seen as probably their biggest com- rivals, I suppose, for Kilku. Yeah, like one point have uh, the most difficult run in in, in any championship. I can remember that the, they played their neighbours, Burn Burn, of course, a lot of history and down, and um, would have been seen as you know one point Burn and, and Kilku would be the, the kingpins of, of down football at the minute and. You know, um, played them the first round. Then one point got Kilku in the second round. Um, a bit of controversy in that game, but the, the point won by by one point and proceeded then to be seeded in the quarterfinals where they drew uh, Clondoff, who again underdogs. So like they've had it, they've had a tough like, and you know if they would go on and do and win this championship, no one can say they didn't beat anybody. You know to win it. Yeah, they 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 won it the hard way. And, exactly. Uh, uh, on Kilku then, I suppose Kilku had an easy enough win, two seventeen to one eleven against Ross Trevor. Uh, they'd be happy out. Yeah, the, um, Ross Trevor's my club, and it's you know the Ross Trevor for the first I think um, Jordan Fagan can run through, laid it off the Mooney, first touch of the ball, and he put it wide. It was brought back for a free kick. Now I know it was the first um, attack, but it would have put a bit of wee bit of pressure on Kilku and Ross Trevor were in the game. For about 15 minutes, they seem to be running at them, but Koku just the machine just keeps going. You know, the the, the great management there, the great coaching, and they've got great players. And and Conor Lowry, I just can't explain how important that man is to Koku, and not only Koku, but down football as well. He's you know so um, just pivotal of everything that's happening around Koku. As Conor Lowry, is he finished? I know he's been with Monaghan this year. Is he finished? He's obviously finished county football. Yes, he's, he's he's finished county football, but just so important for Kilku. You can just, I was even watching him there against Australia and, and listening to him. And he, he's telling boys like, you know, two sweepers in or, you know, through the hands and, you know, he's playing full forward. And, you know, it's just them wee small wee things, you know, that you don't pick up on, on TV or, or seeing them, you know, whenever they're, they're playing. Like, but, you know, he's, he's like taking the play even, even in a full four lane where he's maybe 30 yards away. Like, mm. And how do Kilku set up? I mean, they played our club last year in the semi-final. They were quite defensive, but they were very effective the way they played. So, um, Kilku, 
you know, they've, they've just been a powerhouse in down football for from like for ten years now, and I suppose what Mickey Moran's brought in is that slot Neil template. Mm. Um, Cuckoo people probably won't let me saying that, but it is true. Like if you took um slot Neil and put them up against Cuckoo. Whenever Mickey had them, there wouldn't be a whole lot of difference. He has a permanent sweeper in there to just cover back. He has uh, Ram McAvoy at fullback, converted him from a midfielder. He bombs forward like Brendan Rodgers does. Um, they have strong midfielders and they have lightning forwards who are just deadly. Like they're just mm-hmm. the three Johnsons and the, the, the defense is backbone down by the, the Brannigans. Would it be fair to say they're kind of like obviously they lost the Warren point earlier? They're kind of Gaining momentum as they go along now, probably getting better game by game. Yeah, it was a strange one like that one point one because you know what we were saying in the preview shows and other is it a case of do you show your hand now or do you just go out and say right well, let's let's play a game or do you try and get your matchups right? Well, maybe this might work, that might work. So you know, as I said, you know, I don't think either team wanted to lose, but at the end of the day, you always had that backdoor system that uh, you're always going to have another chance. Um, you know, and maybe the controversy of the of the referee at the end, you know, you need that wee bit of something to hang on to, and, and you know that that sees mentality and rally the troops. And I think that's definitely helped them. <laughs> you actually feel bad for Warren Point now. They might have to go beat Kilku again after we've beaten them already in the group stages. <laughs> like that's uh, that, and that's what you know. This the system in down does favour the bigger teams. Um. You know, you're not going very rare to catch a, a big team on, on an off day in the quarterfinals, semifinals. They seem to have their game head on then. But, you know, one point might have to, like it's, as I said, you know, to win a ch- down championship, they might have had to beat Burn, Koku. They're going to have to beat Koku yeah. again by the looks of it. You know, and, you know, for, for play them, whoever, whoever wins this championship, because, you know, it is, it is getting exciting now. And have the championship structures changed this year because of COVID, or is it exactly the same as? No, it's exactly the same, Ross. Yeah, so you know we had the backdoor system in; it was straight knockout. Um, you know, and yes, I can understand from a, a financial point of view. You know, you're getting more games and more spectators through the through the gates and out there as well. Um, you know, the streaming system obviously, you know, helps with the with the amount of games as well, and I think. This year, it's actually worked well because people are demanding to see the games. You know, the quality's been 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 high, and you know, um, yes, it's 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 favours the bigger teams, but at the same time, I don't think it warranted change just yet. Well, club players playing championship in July, August, September is a is a rare thing, and when it goes to show when the when the ground is hard and the weather is good, the football is is just as high quality. Yeah, like we we have a, a usually have a two week break up here in around the the fourteenth, and um, you know our championship runs is is at, in August, um, religiously in around start of August. So, but like this year, I just to have it just knock out. You know, I just don't think it would have like boys are training. Yes, we've had league games, but there's no promotion, no relegation. So, you know, with the backdoor system, you're guaranteed. Uh, you're guaranteed three games because the losers then have to play to stay in the championship as well. So, you know, there is stuff to play for. So there's that, there's that we card to, to keep boys interested. So who, uh, who's lining up uh, for quarterfinal and semifinal stages? So the quarterfinals, um, they've been decided then. So Warren Point beat uh, Clondoff, Kilku beat Restraver, Ballyhoan beat Lock and Island after extra time. 
and Stephen Poacher's uh, Bransford team are kicking on Kai Duff. Now Kai Duff would be uh, seen as an up and coming team in down as well. They're they're um, a Belfast team that you know have done tremendous underage work and uh, the numbers to have is just fast. So that's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, obviously, you know. I'm sure Kilkeel and Warren Point will be looking. The draw is actually tonight warm, uh, on Monday, so they'll be looking just to avoid each other. You know, and that's that's just there's no way of saying anything different. Like a couple of tasty ties coming up. Who would you fancy to go all the way this year? Obviously, Kilkeel possibly the favourites after being defending champions. But if you're to put your neck on the line here now, John, now this could get me in a lot of trouble with the phones because then I'm going to be fearing. But look. I seen Kilku yesterday against Ostrava. Now Ostrava would be a tier down below Kilku, um, Kilku one point at the minute. Um, people are saying it's one point a year. I just think Kilku can change their team um, more. I just think they've got, they've got uh, the experience right. They've got the youth coming on it's right, and they've got a team that's that's been there and done it. And I just think, you know, I, I still think Kilku will be. We'll be champions by the end of it. Can we add it that? Can we add it that in a couple of weeks and then <laughs> I can say more in point. <laughs> what, what, what if you were uh, Paddy Taddy John looking at the the club championship? Who's impressed for him? Maybe that hasn't been involved too much with down uh, in the last few years. Yeah, they, there's just been um, you know there's a lot of good footballers even at intermediate level. Um, there's Leitrim have a, a very young team and. There's a father, Rory McCrickard, who would have played down in the 20s. He's, he's been a standout player for me. Connor McCrickard would be a cousin of his, um, full forward, and you know, just lightning quick, left foot, right foot. Um, in the down, then the senior championship, you know, Valley Hone have a couple of young players now that have played under 20s. You've got the likes of Billy Campbell and, and Seamus Lockran, who's um, a, a brilliant free kicker. And you know, if he can, if Paddy and, and Mark Dorn and that, then can get their hands on him. I'm, I'm sure they can, you know, mould him into a, a senior player as well. Um, Kai Duff, you know, everyone knows about the Kai Duff lads, uh, the two Guinness boys. You've got Owen McCabe and, and you know, still the same stalwarts there. But Ronan Beattie for me for up at full forward would be one to watch as well. I think he was invited onto the panel and, and told to go away and work on on his, um, I think his, his game awareness or handling that there. But he's definitely stepped up. You know, he's, he's going to be a good player. And again, with specialised coaching, I think it could really happen for him. Uh, Clondoff, there's uh, young fat Tom Close, again, 19, 20, uh, six foot two, six foot three. So, um, you know, he's, he's very impressive. Ross Cars, young fat Ross in, in the middle of the park as well. Covers a lot of ground, great in the air. Um, so, like, Warren Point just have the same. There's Kieran McCartan, there's Cormac McCartan. Um, Paddy Murdoch stepped up from full back, so it's it's like exciting times for Down. It really is like this. Before you would have said not really it's the same old players, but you know, Kokuya still have like the older heads as well. But you've got the likes of Shailen Johnson coming in there, um, who's the third brother for for uh, Ryan and and Jerome. Like that man is is lightning quick and he and he's getting better. His his, his decision making is getting better all the time as well. So. You know, Ram McAvoy. So it's good young youth coming through down, which is, you know, I, I think it's exciting times for down in two or three years if they're if they're molded properly. Mm. So the future is bright, John. I th- I think so. Like you know, before I would have been down 
biggest critic now, I really would, you know, um, with, the, with the structures in place. But I think down, I've, I've went back to the drawing board and, you know, there was a big emphasis on these six foot two, six foot three footballers. We've we got to get these in, yeah. you know, um, look at Throne, look at this. But if they're not there, they're not there. It, a player shouldn't be judged on, like, it's not his fault. There's nothing he can do about height. You know, you got to work with what you have and, and get a game plan that suits the players. And is Paddy, or just a quick point on Down County team, is Paddy, Paddy trying to change the style of the football now and Down? I think it's just more, I just think at the minute it's, it's more patient build-up. Um, you know, there's a, there's a young fan from Saul that I'm coaching at the minute and Pierce Lavery, and I've never seen, you know, a man more dedicated to football and, and his diet and his exercise. You know, just a, just a superb athlete. And I think if, the, if they can get that mold that, Per, like persona in with um, you know taking a wee bit more risks, opening it up a wee bit because down football they have a tradition and everyone says about the tradition of down football, but it does hang over you at times. You no know, down people do demand a certain way to play. Yeah, yeah. John, that's been really good. Uh, we we might we might get you on after the semi finals now to let us know how we're getting on. Yes, and see if I um, still have a job commentating for Park TV, but I'll, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got any any official in down is looking for me so. Um, no, boys. Keep up the good work. Loving the loving the shows, and um, thanks very much for the invite. Thanks, John. You too. Appreciate it. Cheerio, boys. So the Mayo Championship is heating up, and we're down to the final two with Knockmore and Barry through to the final. To discuss it, we have John Gunnigan from the Mayo GA blog. John, thanks for coming on, and how are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great to be on, guys. Yeah. So uh, semi-finals at the weekend. How do you think you went yourself? What are your thoughts? Yeah, they were they were in because um, in both instances they were repeats of matches that had taken place in the group stages and uh, in both cases uh, the group stage matches were decided by a point so you went into the semi-finals thinking that they, that they were toss-ups um, and that the results in the group stages could very very easily uh, be overturned in the semi-final and that's what happened in, in both cases uh, Brafey uh, were a bit unlucky, I think, to lose to Westport in, in their group match. They had a chance right at the end to, to level it from a free, but it, but it didn't come off. Uh, this time, they just seemed to be more on top and their, their experience won out because Westport, uh, <clears throat> the, the games where they've been really good this year, they've tended to get out of the traps quick and they've led from the front. Uh, they haven't had to dig out results from coming from behind and they just simply weren't able to do it against Brafie. I think that Brafie's greater experience won out, won out at the end of the day there. Um, the match yesterday was a cracking game, the game between Knockmore and and, and, Anna. and in some ways the it was a similar type of game to, to the group game because what happened in the group stages was Knockmore started really well and, and, and put uh, Balna on the back foot but they just ran out of gas right at the end and Balna came with a late surge and, and beat them by a point. Um, and it was kind of like that yesterday in that Knockmore started really well. Balna did make a, 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 an attempt at a comeback, but Knockmore's start was way better than, than the first time they met, and Balna's comeback wasn't as effective, and, and Knockmore were deserving winners. So it's, it, it, it was really interesting because I think, you know, going into the last four, even going into the, into the last eight, it was very, very hard to pick a front runner, never mind pick a, pick a winner. I mean, I guess Balna Tubber would have been everybody's favourite, quite simply because they were going for, for three in a row. But their form hadn't been brilliant. 
and uh, and Knockmore fairly turned them over in the quarterfinal stages. And once they were out, the race was was blown wide open. So it was very hard to pick a winner uh, over the weekend. And I tell you, it's even harder to pick a to pick a winner now. Mm. Just touching on Brapey there, obviously the O'Shea's would have a massive influence um, mm. on their team. Aidan O'Shea's been playing very well that quarterfinal against mm. Valadrian. I saw he was very impressive. Um, how, 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 how have you found Aidan O'Shea? You must have impressed him as well. Uh, he's, he's, he's just putting in a barnstorming season. And yeah. uh, I mean, they're playing him inside um, primarily, even though Aidan never really stays in the one position. He always will come out as well. Um, but they are uh, playing him primarily quite, quite far forward. Uh, I mean, all three O'Shea's are, are well. I think Connor has been particularly impressive this year. You know, Connor uh, was obviously on the Mayo panel for for a number of years there, um, but he's playing in a much more direct style for for Brafey and um, against Balladrine, he was just he was excellent. I think he got one three that that evening. Uh, and Seamus is is, is uh, playing at centre back. You know, so all three of them are are contributing hugely to uh, to Brafey this year. Yeah, and it was a, it was a great tussle between Nick Egan and Aidan O'Shea as well. Yeah, second one, like, you know, it was the same in the group stages as well. It was a real ding dong, and uh, and uh, Lee Lee had a good year. Like he he really had a good year, and he seemed like a lot of the county players to be fairly liberated by the fact that that you know it was just club and it was it was you know game week after week, and uh, I think he he's, he's had a great championship. I think in. The matches against the two matches against Brafey, he kind of had to mind the house an awful lot more. Whereas uh, in in some of the other games, he was he was joining in the attacks more. Whereas obviously he had his hands full with uh, with Aiden in round the square. Yeah, and obviously the other semi final, uh, Kevin McLaughlin's not more. Um, would they, would they be surprised that they got this far? Or um, no, I'm not. I don't think it would because if you looked at the last state, there were there were there were six realistic contenders for the title at that stage, and not a whole pile between them. And a few people had tipped Knockmore as 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 um, you know not not likely to win, but certainly would have, would have had a good chance. I guess it is surprising if you look at at from the outset, they wouldn't have been one of the one of the the big favourites to, to get there. But um, but they certainly deserve it. I mean, having having knocked out uh, Ballantower and Obal now, I think they, they they definitely deserve their position in the final. I mean, I think it was what was great about this year was that at the by the end of the quarter final stage, everyone who had won the championship in the last ten years was gone. You know, because because you you Ballantower who had won five, uh, 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 Casabar who had won won four, and Balhadrine had won the other or had won the other one. Yeah, so. So the most recent winner was Ballina way back in 2007. Mm. So it, it was going to be a, a novel final, I think, no matter how you you, you, you went about it. Uh, but no, but not more have been just just very very impressive. They really have, mm. and uh, and and they, they went about their business in in in, uh, in fairly efficient fashion yesterday. Yeah. And obviously the role of Kevin McLaughlin is, is, is key to, their, to them as well. Uh, he was unbelievable. Yeah, he was unbelievable yesterday. He really was. And like Kevin McLaughlin, I've always felt, I, I, for a start, I can't believe how that fella hasn't got an all-star. I just, I, you know, I mean, he, he was bolted on in my book as far back as 2012 and, and didn't get it that year. I mean, I've always felt like when Mayo, our great days, when, he was, when we were playing at our best, Kevin McLaughlin was the beating heart of that team. Like, he, he just... And I don't know who said it on the commentary yesterday, but he's, he's incredible. Like he can take a pass, an absolutely stationary pass, 
and the next minute he's gone. He's like a bloody rabbit or something. Like he just, he's just gone. He just takes off and he accelerates and he goes into these positions. And there was one run yesterday where like, he should really have been a goal, but he just, just like sighed through the defence and, and whacked it over. But he was everywhere. Like he was, he was, he was up scoring. He was, you know, taking the ball in midfield. He was back helping defence. And as I said at the blog, like he was just conducting the orchestra. Um, but I mean, it wasn't a one-man show because I mean, Peter Nocton was was good early on, and then Balana had to bring Park O'Hara back to try and quieten him down, and they succeeded in that to some degree. But then Aidan Norm ran amok after that, you know, and they had Keith Rutledge in there, and then they had Darren McHale who scored two goals in in the quarterfinal against Ballantubber. Now he didn't score yesterday, but they had to like Balana had to put a lot of effort to keep him out of the game, but they were just you know they were it looked like they were they were trying to plug leaks everywhere and they couldn't they, they just couldn't keep them all out yeah it looks like the poor Cahor interview has come back to come back to haunt him yeah I mean I, I'd have a lot of sympathy for him because I mean you know GA interviews no more than any kind of sport interviews have got awful bland you know and and there's too much deference to the opposition and I think um he was asked a straight question, and in fairness, he got the answer right, if you like, because he did say he, that, that they would beat Knockmore, and they did beat Knockmore that day. Uh, but certainly, it's been, it's been thrown back in a bit since. I guess the mistake he made was that he went on and said, and we beat everybody else. So that was kind of uh, raising the bar fairly high. But I mean, Parker Park has had a great season as well, you know, and I think uh, he, you know, he's only just recently broken into the Mayo team, so I think, uh, I think we'll be seeing quite a bit of him from, from here on. And do you think, is there any more that you've seen so far that maybe haven't been around the county team that might break into James Horan's plans? I, do, I mean, there, there are loads on, 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 the, on the basis of the, the, the season so far. It's just a question of, of um, I guess, it's, it's melding who's there and you know, who, who, who are most ready to come in. Um, I mean, certainly there is there is an abundance of talent around there. But I mean, the big issue nowadays with intercounty, of course, is that is the strength and conditioning and all that side of it can take a number of years before lads are right. You know, and I think the problem we have, and certainly it, it should be a, of a lot of the the uh, fan commentary, if you like, is that we're always looking for the next best thing. And if a guy comes in and he doesn't play well in the first two games, you know, his his star declines. You know, and then the next best thing, you know, is the, is, is the player that everyone has talked about. So I think we probably have to be maybe a little bit more patient in terms of seeing, seeing lads come through. But I think I'd be very optimistic just in terms of the, um, the, the, the talent that we've seen over, over the summer and over the last number of weeks. Um, but I guess that's probably going to be true of a lot of counties because I think it, it is just a reflection of the fact that we're playing club matches in the right weather and we've had, we've had great matches. I mean, this is the best Mayo Club championship I've seen in years, but I'd say that's largely down to the fact of, of that the intercounty pressure isn't there, and the matches are are being played in the summer. Mm, yeah, and one man who definitely has a strength and conditioning done, and I suppose you'd love to see him back is uh, is Pierce Hanley. Um, well, he has strength and conditioning done, but you'd wonder what kind of physical condition he's in. You know, he's he's mm. had uh, he, yeah. you know, he has a lot of injury problems, as I understand it. So I think I think that. Could be a factor in in um, in his decision to 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 call it a day over there. I, I mean, I, I I don't think we'll see him back here. 
you know, but yeah, Pierce was one that got away. I mean, he was he, he was a fabulous player. I remember I I saw him the last time, the last day he lined out for Mayo, which would have been up in the qualifier against Derry in two thousand seven, um, and he was you know, he, he he was a fabulous talent then, and he obviously went on and, and had a very successful career in in in, in Aussie rules, you know. Uh, John, obviously, uh, Ballon Tober team later with Mayo Stars and um, won the last couple of championships, kind of started to deceive this year. And it's strange thinking when they have the, the county lads there for, for the whole club season, you think they nearly kick on even further. Um, what do you think the reasons were for Ballon Tober's back form this year? Um, it's, it's difficult. So I think they just got caught by a, by a hungrier, not more team. I mean, not more where, you know, they. Bit like the game against Balna the last day, they just went at them. They showed them absolutely no respect, mm. and and tore into them. And I think by the time Ballantubber realised that they were they were in trouble, it was too late. And um, you know, Ballantubber have been have been they've they've a, they've a good mean defence, you know. But if you start scoring freely against Ballantubber, you know, they are in trouble, and that 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 is that is what happened. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to pinpoint it, you know. But I would just think there was there was greater hunger and greater organisation there from Knockmore, and that's been true of them right throughout this year. I think Ray Dempsey, Dempsey has done a fabulous job with them, and you could even see you could see it very much in the match yesterday. Both teams had a chance to learn from the group match, and it was clear that Knockmore learned the most. Mm. So I think probably greater hunger and organisation won the day there, you know. Yeah. And I think it just shows there was, you know. I think the the um, the the standard, uh, you know, the quality between the teams was quite even this year. You know, there were, it's not like Galway, you know, with Corfin miles ahead of everyone. You know, Mayo Championship has always been reasonably competitive, and it's just extremely competitive this year because you look at Castlebar didn't get out of their group, and um, you know, you know, and they they would have been one of the big. Obviously, they would have been one of the the big teams over the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. And so looking forward to the final now, Brayfield against Blackmore. Um, if you're a betting man, where, where are you going? <laughs> I was dre- I was thinking about this. I was out for a walk here and I said, geez, they're going to ask me this now. How the hell am I going to answer? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't have an answer, I'm afraid, but I'll, 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 here's, here, here's, here's my attempt. I mean, I'd have great sympathy for Brayfield, if you like. And I, you should never say sympathy and things like that, but you, you, your heart kind of would, would wish that they would do it because in a way they're a bit like Mayo, you know, and that they've, they've been so close so many times. They've, they've been in three finals now in, the, in this decade yeah. and haven't done it. And, and um, I remember I was there the night they lost to Ballantubber in, in 2018 and that was just heartbreaking. They lost by a point. It was Jim O'Connor got this, this monstrous score from, from, from out the field. But there was, there was, I remember there was an incident in the square on the other end afterwards. And I think, in memory, I think, Rafi had a half a decent shout for, if not a, a, a penalty, certainly a free. So they, they were they were kind of hard done by because they only lost by a point that night, and that was that was really really hard to take. You know the other two defeats, I think they were they were fairly well beaten. So you kind of hope at that level, you know, it, it would be nice to see them do it. They've they've, they've never done it. Um, I just like the look of the Snockmore team. I have to say, you know, I mean, I just think they 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 just have something about them. They look like a team. That are not going to back down to anyone. I mean, the the hope that Brayfield would have is that they they don't allow Knockmore to get a run on them early on, because that seems to be what seems to be their secret. They just tear into teams. They build up a bit of a lead, 
they're very, very hard to attack against because they, they, they defend in depth and in break at speed. Um, I think if Brafey can come out and, and take the game to them, they'll, 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 they'll have a decent chance. But, you know, if, if they let them loose at all, if they give not more, you know, a sight of, of, of goal and let them, let them build up a lead, then I think it could be going, the, the title could be going back to North Mayo for the first time since 97. There you are. I'm going to say, you said not more. So I'm putting my money on the <laughs> Very tentative. <laughs> John, thanks for doing that. was a great synopsis. Appreciate that. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers guys. Okay. okay so Cork, Cork Championship ne- next. And the Echoes, Mark Woods, is with us to discuss all things Cork football. Mark, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Michael. No. So uh, you had the, the round three of the, the Cork Senior uh, Championship there at the weekend. So uh, tell us the piece. How did it go? Yeah, it was um, fairly predictable in the outcome in that um, the three group winners were those expected to come through, like uh, the champions Nemo Rangers, the 2018 champions St. Finbars and Castlehaven. Mm. Now, the interesting aspect of it was who would get the, the lone semi-final spot. And that went down to scoring difference. And Castlehaven edged their city rivals by recording a big win over Island Rovers in their game. So those three are in the knockout phase and they're joined by the runners-up and they'd be Town, Ballancolleg and Valley Rovers. So you have six clubs and one division, Duhallow. So you have three quarterfinals and it's the Bars against Town, Nemo against Ballancolleg and the other one is do Nemo Rangers, Ban and Colleague, do Hallo Valley Rovers. And that'll leave us then with four semi finalists. Just, just checking it myself there. There's some good games there to be games. O'Donovan Rossells are against Maltas there. It was a point in this late, late winner. Yeah, that's, yes. that's in the second tier of the championship. Okay. That's, that's a yeah. new senior A championship that was introduced this season. It's uh, it's um, it had about four or five clubs who lost their premier status at the end of last season, and about another four or five clubs who were the better premier intermediate clubs. So yeah. they emerged to form a senior A championship, and those two are. It's actually a very very competitive championship, and don't be surprised if St Michael's and O'Donovan Rossa end up in the final though. Daniel Goulding is uh, is leading the way for Era Oak with some sensational scoring. And you have Mallow there as well with James Lockery and Matty Taylor. So it, that's a wide open championship as well. You, you mentioned Daniel Goulding there, 2-7 at the weekend. 2-7. And he was the leading scorer coming into it. So he's now, he's after stretching that, I'd imagine. Mm. So just, just goes to show, age is no barrier. <laughs> you can still do a job for county. <laughs> you just mentioned the, tra- the structures of the championship there off air about kind of a Champions League format you were saying that's right yeah the, uh, the clubs both the clubs and the county board realised that something had to change because there were far too many senior clubs in both football and hurling and a lot of them weren't up to the standard okay. and it was felt that they were, they were dragging the standards down so this year they went for uh, 12 teams in Premier Senior, 12 teams in Senior A, 
12 teams in Premier Intermediate, three groups of four, and the top two to qualify for the knockout phase. And the gender reaction has been very favourable. And um, Premier Senior, then obviously everyone knows about Nemo Rangers, Mark, um, maybe some of the other teams who, who could compete for the Premier Senior Championship? Um, the bookies have Nemo as favourites. Um, I'd imagine Castlehaven, who would have Mark Collins, Brian Hurley, Michael Hurley, Damien Cahillan, his two brothers, Jack and Connor. So Castlehaven would fancy themselves, especially now as they're in the semi final. Ballon Colleague are still relying a lot on Pat Kelly. And he was injured at the weekend in his game, and Ballon Colleague struggled afterwards in the second half in a game that they shouldn't have struggled in. Mm. So St. Finbars would be in the same bracket as Castlehaven, I'd imagine. Ian Maguire, the Cork captain, is powerhouse there at midfield. Michael Shields comes on for the last 15 minutes just to steady things. And um, their best scorer is Stephen Sherlock, the guy who got a few runs with Cork. He was in and out of the Cork scene. But he was, um, he's the leading scorer in the championship. So, I w- and you can never write off to Hallow as well. Yeah. I mean, they got to the last two finals, lost by a goal last year, lost by a point the previous year. So, those four. Yes, yeah, it sounds very competitive. It is very competitive. It's, um, I think the fact that the games were so condensed this year has helped everyone. You know, the Cork players are allowed to train with their clubs, they play with their clubs, and that's been very evident, and they have been very influential, and that will continue. Although the usual chestnut of the dual player is already starting to emerge because of the 16 knockout games in the football championships across the four grades, 15 of them couldn't be played next weekend because of the dual commitment. Okay. So obviously those games will have to go back another week. That, and, that, and that's going to have a knock-on effect because I think their scheduling is going to go astray because of all the dual involvement. I was about to say, there's going to be fixture congestion there. Oh, there is, there is. And the counties are back training next Monday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's September the 14th, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine the funding games. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mark, have the semi-final, is that an open draw for semi-final or have the games been preordained? It's been preordained. Uh, Castlehaven are through to the semi-final. Uh, the other games then are um, Nemo against Balancholics and Trimbars against Town and Valley Rovers against Duhallo. Um, you'd imagine it would be Castlehaven and the Bars, even though Town got to the semi-final last year. You'd imagine Nemo will beat Balancholic and Duhallo will beat Valley Rover. So you're looking at Castlehaven Bears, Nemo Duhallo. Your top four, your top four teams meeting. And best of luck with that. And are the semi-finals and final all played in Porky Cave or neutral venues, or is there still home advantage for some teams? And they tend to play the semi-finals in Parky Cueve. But because of the COVID restrictions now. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm. I mean, there's, there's talk that next weekend the government will allow limited numbers back into watch games. So that might have a bearing. Up to now, games have been scattered all over the county. 
you know, and it's so far so good, touch wood, in terms of COVID outbreaks and whatever seems to be, everything seems to be under control. Um, Mark, um, obviously, Ron McCarthy will be keeping a keen eye on this, um, especially with County coming back next week. What players now have stood out to you, not even just senior, uh, premier, premier senior, across a couple of the championships? Yeah, um, yesterday's game now was St. Finbars and Clannacilty, and Tom Clancy, who's normally centre back for Cork or maybe even full back, was given the job of marking Ian Maguire at midfield. So that that was interesting, and he did well. Um, Cork didn't have Sean White, who's injured, and Liam O'Donovan, who's been who's out for the year with a cruciate. So he's missing. He was missing. Clamber missing those two. Stephen Sherlock is the leading scorer. Now he's been in and out of the Cork scene. Whether Ron McCarthy is anxious to have him involved or not, we just have to wait and see. But um, the vast majority of them are still are still healthy and playing away. So that's 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 a plus. You'll be happy out with that. And yeah. um, your your tip now for the final. Obviously, you're saying Bucky's favourites and Nemo Rangers. Where, where do you think it's going to go? You can't. You can never look beyond Nemo. Yeah. I mean, they, they have this great facility to time their runs to perfection, peaking at the right time. And it's, I mean, they've won 21 counties. They're miles ahead of everyone else. And I'd be surprised if they don't make it 22 this year. It's a, it's a fairly simple question or kind of standard question. But what does make Nemo stand out, I suppose, above the rest in Cork anyway? Um, they won't like me for saying this, but they played junior hurling. <laughs> which is the sixth grade of hurling. Yeah. So it's football only, football, football, football. But having said that, they have the right structures. Anytime you go to see a match, you will see the former greats involved, passing it on to the 16s, the minors, the 20s, the 21s, the juniors even. So they have this conveyor belt of coaches, players, and just general all-round talent. And they have a huge tradition and pedigree, as we all know as well. And it's uh, they're just very hard to beat when it comes to the big games. Yeah. And, and, and a brief look at the Senior A Championship, Mark. Um, who, who's going strong in that? We were talking about uh, the Wilson's team there. Yeah, Skipperino, you know, Donovan Rosser are true to the semi-final. Yeah. They were one of the teams now who lost their Premier Senior status last season. And coming from the heartland of West Cork, they're still miffed over that. So they want to get back up to the Premier ASAP. But the team they beat yesterday, St. Michael's, who would be the sister club of Blackrock Hurling, are very strong as well. Throw in Daniel Goulding's arrow, Jim Lockery's Mallow, Fermoy. There's a half dozen there who could who could wrap the fact that's probably even more wide open than the Premier Senior. And your tip for that? Oh, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me. Uh, let me have a look. Do, do, do. I'll go with Skibbereen. I'll go with a Donovan Rossa. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Especially after their, their last minute winner yesterday. They'll have the tails up. Yeah, on paper, they've, they've a, they have a far, very formidable team, especially up front. Right. Mark, thanks for coming on and doing that. We might check in with you later on the championship. My pleasure, Michael. And cheerio, Ross. All the best. 
So as you may know, we've had a name change and a brand new logo thanks to Tim McCann, who you can find on Twitter, who has fantastic image designs and is here to talk to us again today. A little bit, little bit more about his business. Tim, thanks for coming on. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. And thanks again for the logo. Uh, sure, tell, tell us a little bit about your business and um, the designs you do. So what I do is, um, you can see them on my Twitter at Sam Wiggle, that's S-A-M-W-H-E-A-G-L-E, or samwiggle.com, I've just set up my website. Don't ask me what Sam Wiggle means, because that's a long story about a dog that I used to have, but that's uh, <laughs> for, for another podcast. But um, it started, I do these prints that are like teams, they're sort of like we Subidio players, um, and the... Uh, the thing what came the way it came about was I had started toying about with this last year, and I had started working on uh, the Dairy ninety three side, obviously being a passionate dairy man, and uh, I sort of put it in the back burner because it's it was only a side project. I have a full time job designing for one of the universities up here, and um, when COVID hit, my brother, who fellow Wolfhound, played together in teams, and he's only a year older than me, he used to be PRO of the Derry County Board and he used to be involved in, uh, he used to write for the Irish News doing GA and he used to write for the Derry Post doing their GA stuff as well. But work kind of dried up on him and he ended up over in London and working on PR in London. So he's been in London for the past seven or eight years, him and his wife. And when COVID hit, they found themselves stuck in a wee pokey flat in North London, you know, because house prices being what they are over there. And, uh, I think he was climbing the walls a wee bit and he was getting a bit fed up and a bit depressed sitting in the sitting in this flat all the time. This is at the beginning of the lockdown and you couldn't even go out. So I revisited it then and had the design up and then found a printers over in England that did framing and the whole works and had it sent to him. And he absolutely loved it. But because he was peer with the county board, when he uh, or used to be rather when he tweeted it out, people started picking it up. And the next thing then I got a, a message from I don't know if you remember Ronan McGuckin. Yeah. He was uh, centre half back for uh, Ballon yeah, yeah. so yeah. he he messaged me. So but Ronan runs his own upholstery business, and he was he was fitting out his man cave. So he's putting a barn and everything in for himself, and he said he would love one of their uh, All Ireland winning team for the wall. So again, I was no bother. So did the research, and I, I spent a lot of time in detail making sure the wee drawings are right and stuff, and uh, get the kit accurate, and again to the detail of the boys' hairs and stuff, and even if you look at the Derry '93 team. Um, Seamus Downey has the, the knee brace on him and stuff like that and Brawley has the socks pulled up and all that sort of stuff. So I like, I like to put the, the effort into the detail. And again, he was delighted with it and he tweeted it out again, again about GA falling. And from there, it's just gone mad. I'm doing anything and everything at the minute. You know, I thought initially this is really going to be, you know, boys want our Mao 2 team. I'll sell a few in Ulster and this will be grand. But it's actually what it's, and I think it's part of the thing of lockdown, what's really taken off is the club stuff. And I think there's an element of nostalgia, particularly at the start of lockdown when there was no football on and no hurling on and people couldn't get their fill and they were looking back at the, you know, happier times. So I then started to get people contacting me, like I had like teams I'd never heard of. So Cartown and Meath, who I personally had never heard of, and they contacted a fellow from there contacted me wanting their 2004, I think it was Intermediate Championship say. So I did that and half a dozen boys from the team wanted it. And that went up and then... Ballon Loch and County Meath, they saw it and they wanted one and then somebody somewhere in, uh, in Cork, and what, what was the name of the hurling club in Cork? I can't remember now. But they, they wanted one and again went on through the club. So it's really taken off from there and, you know, I get people contacting me all the time and I think it's, you know, particularly for club, for like, as we were chatting about there before we came on, club means a lot to people. 
and there isn't so much memorabilia from it and things like that there and you've a lad who made a one like i did one for uh division 4b champions in 2014 but for the fellow that won that medal that's as good for him as the celtic cross was for you know somebody picking it up in, in crow park so for them they have something and they have nothing on it so they, they do the wee team film and stick it in the wall stuff like that there it seems they've really kicked off so it's uh it's been a surprise to me and it, i'm really loving it because it reminds the two things that i absolutely love which are gaa and graphic design so you know we couldn't whistle me a better gym and i'm fortunate enough that people want to pay a wee bit of money for it so it's been it's been good in that regard no it's been class and i've, I've loved looking at the images that you put up and seeing them on the twitter it's brilliant but I want to ask first, did, did Ronan bring you over for a point then when he uh, said... No, it's, it's, uh, I said to him at the time, because <laughs> I was saying about my brother there, so my brother was working in Irish News when they won it, and he followed them the whole way through, and I don't know if you remember, this was during when Crook Park was being referred, so that final was actually played in Thurles. So uh, he was down with them, and then interviewing them afterwards, and he ended up in the bar with them. So they tell the story about the feeding or across, you know, Jameson's whiskey in the bar and all the hours of night. And I said to Ronan, I'll have to get down to the feet of Jameson in your bar. And so it's a date whenever social distancing is allowed. <laughs> he sent me three photographs recently of the, the bar all for, refurbed out and the, the print on the wall, and it looks really well. Yeah. Not, so I'm looking forward, looking forward to getting down getting a pint. He has pints, he has draft beer and everything, so no half measures in dairy. So how, how long would it take you, Tim, to, to do a design now with a start to team like that? Do you know what? At the start, it took me a wee while, but um, I'm getting quicker and quicker at it. So if somebody wants a design done, you know, normally all my contact at the minute is coming through Twitter, and I'll get somebody contact me and say, "Can you do such and such a team?" Now I'm having to fit it in around my work because you know it comes first. That's what pays the mortgage. Um, so normally a couple of days I'll have me doing it, and there's a bit of back and forth. Like I say, I like to make sure the details right, so I'll go back to them and say, "Plus spell might be my strongest suit." So. You make sure all the details are right before I send the print, but I'll, you know, check and make sure the hairstyles are right if a boy has a beard or a moustache. So I did, I did the, the Wexford 96 team, and of course there's the, the Iron Martin story. story. Iron Martin story, you know, so um, uh, I like to get into the detail of it. Um, so it takes a wee bit of back and forth, but I don't mind that. You know, in the amount of conversations I have with people then about football and hurling off the back, it's just been, it's been great for me. You know, I really enjoy it. Tell us about your own club then in Derry. Um, so I my club is Lumabadi Wolfhounds up the hounds. So we are we're Derry Intermediate Football. I was uh, I graced the uh, intermediate uh, the reserve team early for most of my years. So <laughs> I can't claim I can't claim any great. I'll put it this way: there is no team I'm going to be designing to go on a wall that has me in it. And I'm going to put it <laughs> but uh, so I intermediate uh, intermediate football. Um, the uh, we're still in the championship. We play our, our hated neighbours for him uh, a couple of weeks time, um, so that'll be that'll be an entertaining one because some of my favourite memories are knocking seven shades out of each other. Any chance? Well, we don't mind the Donegal ones as long as the boys. <laughs> it's the boys in red and white below us that we really can't have anything to do with, like you know. But I, the, you would, you might know somewhere like with um, you, you familiar with Callum Brown? He played in the Derry Minor team uh, a couple of years ago. He's, you, you couldn't miss him. He's big black fella. Plays up front. Uh, played up front for the Derry Minor team that got trounced by Kerry. But he came off the bench and scored. Uh, or he didn't score a goal. Actually, won a penalty. 
but Callum's just an absolute athlete. But unfortunately, we've lost him. The Aussie rules. Oh. So he's away, he's away with professional contract. And here, you couldn't blame the fella. There's not much on him about it, and somebody's going to pay him full time contract. But he's, he's a massive love lost to a club like us. You know, he's, he's a once in a generation player for us. You know, and part of me breaks my heart ever so slightly thinking a Ham and Connor Glass could have been the, the backbone of a Derry senior team. So Calm Calm will be one of our more famous players, you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh you, you won't be a big fan of Joe Brody growing up, are you? Hey. <laughs> Joe Brody, is he one of your heroes? Joe <laughs> Joe's uh Joe's an interesting character. Like, you know, I actually did I, I can't speak I love him because he bought four off me the ninety four team. <laughs> I don't him to say is that one for each wall of your bedroom, like so you know, <laughs> names, you know? But he 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 bought four of the ninety three side off me. Joe had the face of enough character, like you know, but uh, he's from Dungiven, which is Lamavadi's about nine miles down the road from Dungiven, but they were always uh, a wee level above us, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, what about Derry then in general now going forward? What's the hopes of the future? Uh, you know what? Derry, I hope springs eternal. You know, at underage, we're very strong. Um, we keep losing them, like we lost Connor Glass, it was the backbone of a minor team, we lost. Uh, Callum there, who was again was the backbone of a good minor team and stuff. So holding on to the players would be a start. And there's always been a theory that uh, boys in Derry would rather win a club championship than one in All Ireland. But Derry, you know, club rivalry is so so bitterly strong up here. Um, so I would hope we're a bit of a sleeping giant. You know, I'd like to see some of our, you know, some of our club football translate into our county scene. You know, I think we're. We're better than we've seen to be over the past few years, but well, it remains to be seen if we'll ever translate that into any decent results, you know. There's a, there's a number 14 with McCann in the back of the waiting for you to play for Derry. That's there. <laughs> <laughs> has already turned out for down, so. <laughs> you know. And whilst they broke my heart slightly, I thought, could be worse, he could have had its own shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> So he he was part of the he's part of the down under sixteen under seventeen uh, panel, you know. So it's, I'm not going to get him under the the proper red and white. Doesn't look like. What well, once once it's not Tyrone? <laughs> as long as it's not Tyrone, anybody put Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Tim, thanks for coming on, and thanks thank you very much for having us. Cheers. You, you can find him on Twitter, Sam Weagle. Sam Weagle, yeah, or samweagle.com. I'm happy to do anything for anybody. I enjoy doing them, so just give me a shout. Thanks again, Tim. All right, cheers, lads. Cheers. Some really good guests on there who fiddle us in on the what's going on in the down cork for their and Mayo Club Championships. Definitely some interesting matches coming up in these counties. So plenty more club talk coming up over the next few weeks. And before we go, Ross, tell us more about this competition we have. I certainly will, Mick. We have an offer for one lucky listener, a great prize of a county jersey of your choice. All you have to do to be in with a chance of winning this great prize is simply like, share, and retweet us on Twitter. Competition ends midday, Sunday, the 13th of September, and the winner will be announced next Monday, the 14th, on the podcast and Twitter. Pretty easy. Like, share, and retweet. Yeah, so you heard it there first from Ross. So get on that, guys. Like, follow, and retweet, and the winner will be announced next week. I'm going to chat to you then. Thanks a lot.